you, Matt. Grab your seats. It's great to be in the house of God this morning, isn't it? We're definitely in autumn season, people. Our heating is set at 16 and it automatically came on this morning. We're like, oh, it's dropped out there. Autumn is here. So we're going into a new season in the natural. And I believe this morning there's a new season for us spiritually as well. Every time I come to preach, I always seek God and what to speak about. I always want to pray what's on his heart. I always spend time in his presence saying, God, I could think of 101 things to talk about, but what do you want to say to your church? And so as I spent time in prayer this week, I've got a message that God has for you. He has an individual word for each and every one of you. He's got a word so unique for your life, your story and your situation. And he wants to speak to you clearly this morning. And I'm confident in the fact that everybody is going to hear from God this morning, not because of what I say, but because of what his Holy Spirit is going to say to each and every one of us this morning. There is a fresh word this morning for you. You will hear his voice this morning. So I want to encourage you to ditch the distractions, to ditch what you're thinking about has happened this past week to forget about what you're having for lunch, to start thinking about what's going to go on next week, all the responsibilities and the things that you've got coming up. And in this moment, in this time that we have here together, to really home in and listen to God's voice this morning because he wants to speak to you. And I've got a story to illustrate this this morning that happened some years ago now. At the time, it's one of my stories. At the time, it wasn't funny, but we can laugh about it now. We like one of those, don't we? So this was many years ago when our eldest daughter was about three or four months old, and we had a family wedding to attend. And we're very excited. It was with all the Roberts side of the family. So we went down in convoy, and we were the lead car. So Uncle Dan was heading the wedding party. We're all dressed up to the nines. So remember, I had a three, four-month-old baby at the time. We were sleep-deprived. So we got in the car, and the wedding was out near South End somewhere. And we're, we're leading with Pastor Barry and then Michael, our other brother, in the car behind. And we start the journey. I'd put the postcode in on the sat-nav. And we listened to the lovely voice of the lady who says, head down the A12 for approximately 3.4 miles take the turning you know how she goes very very British English accent and we're listening to her directions and the whole way we're going I can see Dan driving and he drives quite laid back but he had quite a concentrating face on and he said to me this just doesn't seem like the right way mum's realized this story at the back now I'm telling and I said but it is I've put the postcode in it is so we carry on at the roundabout take the third exit and head on to the road ahead And then suddenly, Pastor Barry rings up, Dan, I'm not sure this is the right way. And Dan says, no, I'm not sure it's the right way either, but but we've put the postcode in and we're heading to the right way. And I'm like, it is the right way. I've put the postcode in. Next minute, Michael phones up, Dan, I think we're heading the wrong way. He went, I know, but she's put the postcode in and we're heading the right way. We turn off and the instructions of the lady and we end up down a residential street and we're meant to be at a country house in the middle of South End somewhere. And I look, and then it's my sister-in-law, Jo, phones up, and she says, I know what you've done. You've put the postcode in of the bride's mother's house where you had to do the RSVP for the wedding. (laughs) And in my tired state of mind, I've looked at, please reply if you'd like to attend the wedding and put that postcode in and not the elaborate venue. So with that, Dan looks over to me and Bless him, he's so graceful. Don't worry, we'll get there. Then hairs like some nutter 
to try and get to the wedding. And I have to admit, people, we missed the entry of the bride. And it was all my fault. And I felt terrible, as you do. But my family are lovely and they had grace for me. Amen for that. But the illustration here is that we listened to a voice that didn't have the right destination. We listened and we relied on that. Well, the woman's telling us this is the right way. But I put the wrong destination in. And I want to say to you this morning, there is a voice that has the right destination for your life. There is one voice that will guide you and show you exactly what he has for your life. And that's the voice of our Savior. That's the voice of Jesus. And so I want to stir you up with this message this morning, that we need to listen to God's voice above every other voice in our life. We need to tune in to his voice. We need to listen to his direction. We need to listen when he says go and when he says stop. We need to listen to him in order to reach the full potential he has for our lives. And we need to be intentional about listening to him. In this life, we have many voices. The world has a voice. There's culture that has a voice. We have the voice of fear that's always trying to direct us. We have the voice of you shouldn't do that and you should do that. We have voices of people in our life and we have good voices in our life. We have amazing brothers and sisters in this house who can guide us with their voice. We have wonderful parents, family members, pastors. We have so many voices in our life and it's all, they can be really good and they can be some really bad voices as well. But all these voices create a lot of noise. And if we're not careful, we can be listening to what he says and what she says and what they say and what culture is trying to push on us and peer pressure. And actually we can have our lives so loud and full of so many voices that we forget to listen to the one voice that is there to direct us. And his voice needs to be the voice above every other voice in our lives. In scripture, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And he refers to himself as a shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep, who looks after his sheep. And we're called the sheep. And we are called to follow God. If we look at what it says in John 10, verse 27, Jesus speaking, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I love what it says there. My sheep listen to my voice. So we hear a word from God. I know them and then they follow me. There's, then there's an action that we hear what Jesus is saying in our lives. We take it on board and then we follow his direction. My question this morning is, are you listening to the voice that has the right destination for your life? Because that is the voice of Jesus. That is the voice of our good shepherd. And we are to follow him. And so I want to dive into some more scripture, which is going to unpack something about sheep. I've got some interesting facts to tell you about sheep this morning. Okay, so let's look at what John 10 verses 1 to 5 says. So this is Jesus talking to the people and the Pharisees at the time. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisee, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. 
In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And to understand this scripture, um, we have to look at sheep. But obviously, Jesus is talking about salvation, how people will call him Lord and Savior, and they will come into the sheepfold. He's a shepherd that guides his sheep, and that there's only one way to come to the Father, and that's through the Son. So it's unpacking that. But also, we need to look at what it was like to manage sheep back in Middle Eastern culture. And so what would happen, there would be on like the hillside, there would be where all the sheep live, but at night they needed to go to bed safely away from the big bad wolf. I'm not going to do that children's uh, little story there. You know, huff and up, huff, no. Why am, that's the pigs actually, isn't it? No, we won't go there, but wolves are bad for sheep. That's what you need to know. They will eat sheep. Okay. So what would happen was there would be over a thousand sheep on the hillside. And there would be 10 shepherds and they each have 100 sheep. Did the maths there, didn't I? You impressed with me, Alice? So one shepherd would be in charge of 100 sheep. And this shepherd would literally live for these sheep. He would spend all of his time looking after his sheep. He would know them so individually. He'd know every mark on them, every bruise. He'd know the character of each sheep. And he would call the sheep to himself and they would respond to that one shepherd. You know, we've got a little dog, and we've got a certain whistle to call our dog. And when he's in the house or we're out for a walk, he will come straight away because there's a certain whistle he responds to. And these sheep would have that with this one shepherd. He could call them out. Even one of his hundred sheep he could call out, and he would come to them because he was so involved in the lives of his sheep. And what would happen at night is when 1,000 sheep all go into this big sheep pen, one shepherd per night would take up the job of lying at the entrance of the gate. And this shepherd would lie down so that the sheep could not get out of the fold and then be picked off by the big bad wolf. And this shepherd would do that. He'd literally lie down so that the sheep were contained. He would look after his sheep. And all that mattered was that the sheep knew his voice because come the morning, the other nine shepherds would turn up and they would call out their own sheep. And you imagine that, what that would be like, all this bleating and barring, you know, you've been to a farm and there are the shepherds, but they individually call their sheep and they will go to that one shepherd. They will not go to the wrong shepherd. They will not go to a stranger because they do not recognize his voice. So the shepherd could call them out. And Jesus, the good shepherd, you know, he laid in the doorway between death and hell and complete life in him. He was like that shepherd that laid down. He laid in the gap between death and life for us so that we could call on the name of the good shepherd and be saved and come into the fold where we are protected and we are separated. And isn't it amazing that just as a shepherd knows every bruise and every mark and every um, thing about the sheep, our Jesus, our good shepherd knows everything about our lives. He knows every bruise we've received. He knows the hurt. He knows the disappointment. He knows the things that he saved us from. He knows the joy. He knows all, everything about our lives and he calls us to himself. And he says, I have a word for you. I have something for you today in your disappointment, in the thing you're going through, in your questioning, in your not understanding, in your crossroads. I have a word for you today. I have fresh manner for you today. But you need to listen to my voice above every other voice. So how does God speak to us? I want to remind us this morning of different ways that God is speaking. Because God is always speaking, but we just have to tune in. And one of the main ways that God speaks to us is through his word, is through our Bible. 
This is where he speaks to us. Do you know, this is the only book you will ever read where the author turns up when you read it. This book reads you as you read it. Through the pages of this book, I get to see God's direction for my life. I get to see all the biblical characters and all the things they went through, all the highs and the lows of their lives, and I see my life in there. I go here when I'm feeling low and I go to these pages and I get filled up with hope again because of what my Jesus has done for me. I go through this when I'm at a crossroads and I don't know what to do. Do I turn to the left or to the right? And I go in here and it fills me up with his direction. This is revelation, church. This is where we get to hear what God is saying to us. This is where you'll find the answers you want. But do you know what I want to say to us this morning? We've got to open it. In order to, we've got to open it. Because it's no point that sitting there all week looking lovely. But actually when I choose to open it and not out of duty. I love the Bible app and I've got the Bible app and I read stuff on there. But if it's all about I've just got to get my streak for this week, we've missed the point. If it's I've got to make sure I've done a Bible in a year but we're not taking any of it in, we've missed the point. The point is to open this word and to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to glean from this word today what are you saying to me in the worst in this word today what are you guiding me and what do you want me to know the direction for my life through the pages of this book what are you showing me we've got to open the word of God because it is living in Hebrews 4 verse 12 for the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We can get anchored in our word, church. We need to know our word, especially in the times we're living in. We need to know the word of God, and this is where he's speaking to us on a daily basis. So I encourage you. It's not about reading reams and reams and thinking, I cannot do this. It's about saying, God, your word is sharp, and it's living, and it's active, and actually, I cannot live without your word. And so I want to encourage you in your Bible reading to get into it because God wants to speak to you. He has a word for you and it's through his word. The other way God speaks to us is through the Holy Spirit. It's amazing that when Jesus was talking to the, to the disciples and he said, it's better that I go because I'm going to send one who will be with you. He'll bring you into all truth and all comfort and he'll be with you 24-7. Don't you love the fact that when you give your life to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit? You know, it's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. Do you know that, church? This morning, it's that same power. And he's alive and he's living in you. And the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. He's always speaking. But we have to tune in. And I think I remember reading years ago, famous um, minister, Benny Hinn. And I read one of his books. And it was called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. He said when he wakes up in the morning, the first thing he says is, Good morning, Holy Spirit. And I love that because it's always before he's even thought about his day. Good morning, Holy Spirit. How do you want to guide me today? What are you showing me to do today? Who should I speak to? What should I do? What should I not do? What are you going to show me today? Stir me up because your spirit is alive and it's within me. And you're going to guide me into all truth today. And the Holy Spirit is always speaking. And sometimes, I'm sure you're the same as me, but there's times when I know that he's stirring me up to do something and I just ignore it and put it to the back of my mind. Oh, it's just my mind. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, that was you, God. (laughs) You were telling me to do that and I didn't. Or you were saying, don't do that, and I did it. And by the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I should have listened to your voice. 
But the Holy Spirit is always talking to us. And I want to encourage you to talk to him through prayer, through being in God's presence. He will stir you up and he will guide you. I don't know what to do in this situation. Well, I will show you what to do because I'm alive and active in you. I am, the, I am your helper. I am your guide and I'm speaking with you. The other way God talks is with his audible voice. You think about Moses at the burning bush. He spoke, Moses, Adam and Eve in the garden. And the thing is, if God is the same yesterday, today and forever, he still uses his audible voice. I know people that have heard the audible voice of God. We even had this in Connect on Wednesday, which was interesting. But God still speaks in that way. We've got to tune into him. That wasn't just for Old Testament times. It's for today. And the same through dreams and visions. God wants to speak to you in your dreams. You know, sometimes you wake up and you have the most amazing dream. And my, oh, it's brilliant, actually, in our house, because Dan doesn't dream that much, but I always have dreams. And the minute I wake up, I'm like, oh, I've just had this dream. And I tell him he's not even opened his eyes. Like, mm, yeah, okay, yeah, you did that. You know, I dreamt last night I was preaching in a ball gown and funny shoes, and I had to keep going back to get my notes. It was very strange. But God often speaks to us in dreams, because actually when we're asleep, he's at work. And often he's telling us stuff, and, and so many times I have had a dream that hasn't been that crazy but then God has spoken to me and I've seen somebody that day and I've been like I need to share that dream with them because you're speaking to me through dreams and you're speaking to me through visions that's how God works and we need to get tuned in when we go to bed are you going to speak to me God in a dream tonight is there something you want me to know and be diligent to write it down because often it comes up at other points in your life God speaks through people Prophets are alive and are well today, church, and God is speaking through his prophets and he's speaking through each other. You know, I'm so grateful for the people in this church. I'm so grateful for the people that would text me with an encouragement. We'll say, I prayed for you and I really felt God was saying I'm so grateful for the prophets that we have in this church and in the world. God is speaking, church, and we need to tune in and listen. We need to hear his voice and God will always use people. Sometimes it might be people that you least expect it will come up and have a word that God has put in your heart. And you almost dismiss it because it's that person. But God is saying, no, I'm using that person to speak to your heart. And boom, it hits you. And God uses people. God speaks through creation and nature. As you go out for a walk. I always find when I go to the beach, personally, I look at the waves and I look at the, the power of the sea and I look at all the um, sand on the shore and all the different uh, shells and stones and creation. God speaks to me through creation. It's his way of speaking to us. But we have to tune in. How often do we get so busy in life that we walk past all the creation and think, oh, He's probably trying to speak to me today, but I didn't even see all those trees I just walked past because I was too busy about being busy. He speaks through media and technology. He uses the vehicle of social media, of YouTube, of platforms to get the gospel around the world. Isn't it incredible that you can go onto YouTube and type in any subject and you can hear a preach on it? You can type in anything about the Bible and you get answers on Google. God uses media. And I really personally believe that tomorrow when we have the Queen's funeral, that is going to be one of the biggest evangelical events throughout the whole of the world because everyone's going to tune in. And let's believe that the gospel will be preached tomorrow and that will be touch and reach many people who will tune in to see the funeral tomorrow. Little side salad there, people. Just had to get that one in there. But you see, God is always speaking but are we listening? And the word I got 
what we need to do to hear God more clearly, do you know what we need to do? We need to be intentional. Intentional. Because life is busy. We've talked about this many times in church. There is always demand on our life. Sometimes I think one day rolls into the next day. And that's never how God wanted it to be. Sometimes our to-do lists have to-do lists. Sometimes there's so much demand you get on with one thing and then there's the next thing. And then we're thinking about next week and next month and next year. And we get so busy about being busy. And there's always this stuff and God is saying... Be intentional, church. You've got to be intentional to get in my presence. You've got to set time aside. You've got to carve out some space. You've got to put me first. Because actually, when he guides you first, everything else falls into place. When you put him first. And sometimes in our business, busyness of life, people are like, well, I haven't even got time to. I haven't even got time between getting up and getting into the shower and getting ready for work and getting ready with my day. I haven't got time. Well, if you haven't got time for God, it's ridiculous. Because when you put him first, everything else flows into place. And we've got to carve out that time. We've got to be intentional. And again, it's not about religion. It's not, again, about that routine. But it's about, God, I want to be in your presence. Because your presence is life itself. I need to be there. That's where you'll fill me up. That's where you'll guide me by your Holy Spirit. That's where you'll speak to me. And I'll be led into all truth and live a life that speaks volumes for your name. But I've got to get in your presence. It's vital. We need to position ourselves and position our hearts to be in his presence. And we need to hear firsthand. Now, I don't know about you, but there's something about getting something firsthand from God. I love it when so many people will share with me, oh, God's really been speaking to me this week, and, and this is what he said. Or I've read a portion of scripture, and God really came alive in that. Or I've listened to this preach. I mean, you've got to tune in and listen to it. It really touched my heart, and that's great. But when I do it for myself firsthand, when I open up the word of God and I read something, and I'm like, wow, I didn't see that before, that's firsthand. I haven't got it secondhand or third hand. Because do you remember that game when you're a kid, Chinese whispers? And you start off with a sentence and you'd say a sentence to somebody who'd whisper it down the line. And by the time you get to the eighth person, it doesn't sound anything like it did at the beginning because it's been watered down, because it's changed, because somebody misheard the word. And this again reminded me of another story of many years ago. And um, Danny had a, na a nan who lived to 97 years old, Nana, and she was absolutely amazing. And we got on really, really well. And I'd often sit and have chats with her, and she'd come over to Terry and Linda's for dinner, and we'd have a lovely conversation. And we'd always chat on the phone, and we just had a brilliant relationship. She was wonderful. And I'd sit down with her this one time, and we were chatting as we did, and we'd be so excited about chatting about the war, about the old times, everything. Not that I was in the war, but... <laughs> Just, you know, I knew about the war. So we'd have a lovely conversation. And it would recently been Daniel's birthday. And Nana was very deaf. So you always had to do that thing where you speak very slowly and very loudly. So she could hear. And so she said, what did you do for Daniel's day? So I said, oh, we had a lovely time. I cooked him duck for dinner. She looked at me. And so I said, I cooked him duck for dinner. Oh, nice dear, she said. We carried on the day, and she wasn't that warm to me, and I, I couldn't understand. I thought, well, maybe she doesn't like duck or l'orange, you know. Maybe I offended her, cute little ducks. Anyway, a few weeks later, we found out what happened. She misheard me. She thought I said that I got so drunk, I couldn't cook him dinner on his birthday. 
And so she'd got very upset and said to the family members, isn't that terrible? Sarah Jane was so drunk, she couldn't cook him dinner. And of course, that wasn't the case. I hadn't got to the duck à l'orange by then, so it was absolutely fine. But then we had to then tell her, no, no, she cooked him duck for dinner. So it became such a funny story in our family. But she'd misheard my intentions. She'd misheard what I said, and it became funny. But so often we can mishear what God is saying because we're getting it second and third hand, and we haven't gone to the source. We can mishear because we think, oh, okay, yeah, that says that in the Bible, and someone said it, and, but because we haven't gone to it ourselves, <laughs> we've taken it out of context, and we've not heard properly. And I want to encourage you, we need to go to the source. We need to know to God, go to God directly to hear what he's saying for us. If we go back to John 10, verse 5, talking about the sheep again, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So if an imposter came into that sheepfold and he tried to call the sheep, I don't really know how you call a sheep, but maybe, here, sheepy, 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 and doesn't recognize the sheep's voice. Something like that. Alice might know if she's into farming. But it's something like that. And, and the sheep would not come. The sheep would not recognize how the shepherd is trying to use the rod and the staff to, to pull the sheep in. The sheep would not go to a stranger. In fact, the sheep would run away. And that's what we need to be like. We need to be those that know God's voice because the more you hear his voice, the more you recognize his voice. Isn't it interesting? We're singers. You think of, um, we watch The Voice and Tom Jones has got an amazing voice and I think he's well into his 80s now. But if I hear him sing, I just know it's his voice because I know his tone of voice and I know how he sings. And something about the voice doesn't seem to age. I don't know what it is, but probably not true. Singers will correct me. But it's like I recognize his voice and the more time we spend with our Savior, we recognize his voice. We know that's when he's speaking. We recognize the voice of the enemy because the enemy wants to speak to us a lot. In fact, the enemy can get so in our minds that we can get so confused. The enemy is always at us, but sometimes if we've not lined it up with the word of God, we can start to think, oh, is that what you're saying for my life? And we're listening to the voice of the enemy. We're listening to the voice of fear. We're listening to the voice of the world, and we're not tuning into the voice of our God. So we need to know his voice and run when it's not the truth, when it doesn't lie up with what he's written in here to know his voice it's a bit like with Dan we've been married for 23 years now and um, probably need a medal but he's put up with me all that time but if you were to talk to me after church and you know if you came up to me and said oh I chatted to Dan last week and this is what he said and you started to relay a conversation I would know if that's what he really said because I know the words he uses I know the way he puts his sentences together. I know the heart behind what he said. And so I would be able to tell if that's exactly what he said or not, how you relay it, because I know him so well. And why? Because I spend time with him. Why? Because he's my husband. Why? Because we're in relationship together. And so I would know what he said, and so I would run away <laughs> when it wasn't his voice like the sheep. Question is, are we desperate for his presence? Are we desperate to be in his presence? Because, you know, if we're very true, and I'm speaking about myself here, what can happen is we get desperate for, it, for his presence when trauma happens. 
when something suddenly happens, when there's somebody becomes very ill, or when we're like, oh, goodness me, this bill's come in and I can't pay it, or when something's gone horrible in our family, or there's something wrong at work, we can often be like, oh, God, I need you now. I want to come into your presence now. Oh, God, you've got to sort this. But that's not how we should live. We should live in his presence all the time. It doesn't take trauma to be desperate for God. But it takes a heart to say, you are God and I am not. And I'm desperate for your presence. Because I want to hear your word for my life. You know, I wouldn't have come to church this morning unless I'd had my cup of tea. Because I love a cup of tea in the morning. That's part of my routine. But the truth is, we go from one week to the next without getting in God's presence and getting what will sustain us, which is his presence, more than our daily cup of tea or coffee. We're so concerned about that routine but actually I want to get in your presence good morning Holy Spirit what do you want to say to me today how do you want to guide me today it's being his presence and it's having that desperation for him it's not about what he can do but it's about who he is thank you that you're my good shepherd thank you that you made a way for me thank you that you laid your life down so that I can have eternity with God and I can have freedom in this life and eternity in heaven thank you that you made a way my amazing Jesus we want to be desperate for his presence. And while I prepared this, I got this picture. I was like, God, I want you to show me something to show your church. And I saw a picture of a beautiful table laid out ready for dinner. It was like Christmas dinner on stilts. And there was all the lovely glassware and all beautiful china and knives and forks and this feast of food at the table. And I saw Jesus at the table. The king was at the table. And there was invitations with our names on around all the placemats on the table. And I saw many people at the table feasting with Jesus. And they were enjoying this choice food. And they were enjoying a nice drink. And they were there and it was a wonderful time. But then I saw other people who ran past the table. And they looked at the table and they saw there was good stuff on the table. So they grabbed a bit of bread roll and, and they ran past And then there were other people who were sat on the floor around the table. And as someone dropped a bit of the fine food and some crumbs came off the table, they took a bit and they ate it, but they were still hungry. And the people who ran past the table actually got indigestion because they couldn't eat the food because they were running so so quickly past the table. And yet there was their name place at the table. There was an invitation to come and sit and dine with the king. And the other people around the table who were eating the food got full and they felt relaxed and they kicked back on their chairs. But the people who sat on the floor and ate the crumbs were not full. And the people who ran past went off with indigestion. I'm like, God, what are you showing me in this picture? And he said, each of you have an invitation to my table. Each of you have an invitation to come into my presence where there'll be fullness. To come and spend time with me where I'll fill you up with the things that you need. But so many people are so busy that they rush past and they get a piece of what will satisfy for that moment. And so many people are so busy that they can't even get up to the seat on the table, but they'll just sit and they're satisfied with the crumbs. Yet God is saying today, church, each and every one of you have an invitation into my presence. But you've got to be intentional and you've got to say yes. And there's nothing about this king that was like, look at the ones running past. Nothing about him that's the one sitting with the crumbs, but he just opened his hands with the invitation and said, will you come? Will you come into my presence? Will you come and spend time and dine with me? Because I've got a word just for you. 
but you've got to be intentional to come into my presence, not out of a place of trauma, but a place of desperation to dine with the king. In Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Isn't that lovely? Taste and see that he is good. He is good and he wants you in his presence. It's not for a select few. He has a word for every single one of us. The shepherd knows his sheep and each one of us are called to come into that presence to take refuge in him. I'm going to look at Elijah in the Bible and Pastor Chris Huckle touched on Elijah last week. And I want to look at at the story of Elijah, how he had a mandate on his life. He was a man of great prayer and of great faith, and he had open conversation with God. And God had given him a mandate to turn and restore the people back to God because they'd just gone completely off the rails. And there was obviously Queen um, Jezebel and Ahab were in charge at that time. And Elijah had a word where he had to go and speak to Ahab and say, it will not rain on the land for three years and explain why. And so he'd done this, part of his mission was to go there. So we're picking up the story when he's done this, um, sent this message. And then Elijah had seen miraculous things happen. If you remember, he'd seen the slaughter of 450 prophets down in the valley. He'd seen fire come down from heaven. Prior to that, he'd been fed by ravens. Ravens bringing you dinner every night. That was the first deliveroo back in the day. (laughs) Bring it right to you, exactly the time you want it. And he'd seen all this amazing stuff happen. And then he got to a point where he received a message. He heard a voice. He heard a voice memo from Jezebel who said, I am going to kill you. The same fate that the prophets have had, my prophets will be you. And I have put a bounty on your head. And with that moment, you see, Elijah then operated out of a place of fear. He listened to the voice of fear. It's almost like in that exact moment, fear had gripped his heart. And he forgot all the miracles of God. He forgot how God had fed him, how God was with him, how God had performed the miraculous. He forgot all of those things. And what he did was... He panicked and then he got to an utter place of depression and he got to the point of, God, just kill me now. I do not want to go on. He felt completely overwhelmed by life. He felt completely like doom was coming to his his doorstep and he didn't know what to do. So he's like, I'm better off dead. All because of one voice message from Jezebel. In that desperate moment, exhausted and overwhelmed, what did God do? He sent an angel. Because he sends angels then and he sends angels now. He did miracles then and he does miracles now. He speaks through miracles as well now, church. Through signs and wonders, through the miraculous. And he sent an angel to Elijah who then said, come on, you need a good rest and you need some food. And as Pastor Chris referred to that last week. And then God spoke to him. Once he'd had his rest and he'd had his food and he was sustained, he was in that position to hear God again. And God said to him, I want you to go and stand on the mountain. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Elijah heard God's voice and he followed him. He followed him to the mountain. And we pick this up in 1 Kings 19 verses 11 to 13. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore, through, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. 
but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a small voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And we know this scripture because God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in all the loudness. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in all that happened on the mountain, but his voice was there. And it's that still, small voice. And that often speaks to us in our lives, actually, in all the noise of life and all the voices that are in our lives. Actually, we've got to tune in to the still, small voice of God. We've got to tune. We've got to be intentional to tune in. And then it's interesting that God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah then goes on to explain, well, I've done all this for you and I don't know what to do now. But then God speaks to him and he gives him direction. You know, God is always speaking, but our souls aren't always ready to hear it. Sometimes we're waiting for the big boom of something in our lives. Yet it's in that quiet moment. It's in that point where we're just like, God, I'm intentional. What are you saying to me today? And in that still, small voice, God spoke to Elijah. If I could have the keyboard player up again, that would be brilliant. But we need to create that moment for God to speak. James tells us that as you draw near to God, God draws near to you. So the onus is on us. You see, God is always there, like at the table, he's waiting. He's always there, but it's up to us to draw near. It's up to us to say, I'm going to come in and listen to your voice. We need to ditch the distractions. We need to get rid of the stuff that gets in the way. We need to carve out that time to say, I want to hear you afresh for my life, God. Because Elijah did that. And then when he listened to God, God gave him instructions. And God said to him, I want you now, Elijah, to go and anoint two kings. You're to go to them. You have your voice back. You need to go and anoint two kings. And then you need to go and anoint Elisha, who will be your successor. He will take over from now. You will train him up and he will actually go on to see double what you see. It was getting changed from Elijah to Elisha. He was anointed to go. Do you know, church, you're anointed? You are anointed. We sing that song this morning, anoint your church with oil. Each and every one of us have been anointed by God. We've been anointed to go and preach the good news. We've been anointed to go and minister to people's lives. We've been anointed to go and heal. We are anointed in 1 John 2 verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. You are anointed. You see, Elijah lost it for a moment, but then God reinstated him and he anointed him to the go to those people. You know, when we hear his voice, we find our voice. When we get in his presence, he gives us direction for what he wants us to do now. And for some people, I think we're going off the old mandate and we're going off the old remit and we're thinking this is what we need to keep going and then we're keeping going and we're keeping going and it's not bringing breakthrough and it's not bringing satisfaction because God is saying, if you listen to my voice, I'll tell you the direction for now. Turn left, second exit, carry on this road, stop, you turn ahead. He's got the directions for our life, but we need to be intentional to tune into him. 
that you are anointed and you have the power of the living Saviour in you. Do you believe that this morning, church? You have the Holy Spirit in you. Do you believe that, church? The Holy Spirit who directs you, who tell you when to go and when to speak. And I think we need to get used to the nudge of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When He's saying, go and bless that person. Go and give to that person. Go and bring that word of encouragement. I know you're shaking and your hands are sweaty and you think, can I go and say that to them? But when you speak it into their lives and you see God bring the breakthrough, because you're anointed by His power to go and speak. He's directing you and He's leading you and He'll show you the way. But will you be intentional to listen, church? Because it's up to us to draw in to God, to draw close to God. There is one voice that has the right destination for your life, and it's the voice of Jesus, our Saviour. And so I want to encourage you this morning to tune in and to listen to His voice. And I can ask you to stand. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Take this moment, church, to focus on Jesus. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to lift your hands. Just take this moment. You stand here in the presence of God. And God wants to speak to you. Lord God, I want to thank you, Father. I want to thank you for your word that is living and is active. I want to thank you that you are speaking to us, Father, through your word, Lord God. I want to pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice, that they would just hear your voice, Father. Lord God, that you'd stir hearts up this morning through this word to know that it's time to be intentional. It's time to draw in to your presence, Lord God. It's time to come and listen to your voice. I want to pray for every distraction that we have in our lives, that we would be intentional to say, I'm not going to be distracted anymore, but I'm going to choose to press into your presence, Lord, because I want to hear from you. Speak to me, Father. Speak to me this morning through your word, through your people, through your prophets, through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come and just stir up your church this morning? Would you speak words to people this morning? They would know the direction to take, Father. For those who came here this morning with many questions and not knowing the answers, Holy Spirit, would you direct them this morning and show them the things to do and not to do? Show them when it's a green light or a red light. Would you show them, Father, plans and purposes you have for their lives, Lord God? Will you show them when it's time to be obedient? when it's time to lean into you, Father, and to follow you, Lord. But Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, you just come and give that personal word to each and every one of us. I thank you that you know us by name and you call us by name. That nobody here has been forgotten. Nobody here has gone too far that God can't pull you back into that sheepfold. Because he loves you. He is a good shepherd who loves you. So we pray in this moment, Father God, that you would just minister to each and every one of us where we need you, Lord God. You'd come and bring in your presence to every area of our lives, Lord God. And we surrender to you this morning. We surrender to you, Jesus. And we say we're sorry when we've been distant. We're sorry when we've been too busy to get in your presence. And we say, Lord, we make a decision this morning that we will get closer to you, Father.
We would draw into your presence because we know that's where you give us the fullness of life. We know that your presence is what sustains us, that we need you, Lord God. That we cry out as your people this morning saying we're desperate for you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for what you did, for how you laid down your life so that we would be lifted up and be reconciled with God. We thank you, Jesus. So keep coming, Holy Spirit. We don't want to miss a moment here. So I just want to say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill your church. Anoint your church with oil.